So we are, this is the last nation of the seven nations uh, that we've been going over. Lord willing, next week we'll put them all together. So this is the nation of the Jebusites. Today is our last nation, the seven nations, the Jebusites. Hopefully today the Lord will show us how to see this nation inwardly about ourselves so that we can see the enemy we are fighting. We must know our enemy before we can defeat him. We must know his strengths and weaknesses and what it takes to kill him out of our land, which is inside of our hearts and our mind. Luke 14, 31. Or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he'd be able to be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000. Put that scripture in just to say that we, we've got to know who our enemy is but we can know how to fight him. We can never make war against God. We are forced to make peace with what God says we are through the 10,000 testimonies of the law in our minds and in the 10,000 in our hearts. The numbers are doubled against me because just when I think I have one thing fixed, he shows me another. We can never win. Below is the definition for the Jebusites. It, Jebusite is an inhabitant of, of Jebus, or Jebus, and it comes from uh, 2982, and it's a threshing place, Jebus, the aboriginal name of Jerusalem. It, it, see that what it was saying there, that Jebus, what we're going over, which is the, is the uh, root word for the Jebusites, comes from or is the aboriginal name for Jerusalem. Uh, the partial name of Jebusites comes from Jebus, or Jebus, which is the aboriginal name for Jerusalem, before it was called Jerusalem. And the root of that word is 947, and the root of the word of Jebus is to trample, loathe, tread down, tread under, tread a foot, or be polluted. The primitive root is what happens to us from the Jebusalem. That's what I named it, or call it because that's what Jebus is before Jerusalem. The primitive root uh, is what happens to us from Jebus that now is. It serves as bondage. Jerusalem that is below in our earth, where the devil has been banished to, will provide nothing but pollution, slavery, and bondage. We have just revealed our enemy, the Jebusites. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are, religion, there are religions of Babylon. Matthew 7:15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They come with the name Jerusalem, but they are really Jebusites, coming from Jebus, or Jebus, I'm sorry, spying out our liberty. Before I get too far, let's look at some of the relating verses and you will instantly catch the correlation. Judges 19.10. But the man would not tarry that night, but he arose up and departed and came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there were with him two asses saddled. His concubine also was with him. And when they were by Jebus, or Jebus, the day was far spent. And their servants said unto his master, Come, I pray thee, let us turn into this city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. And his master said to him, We will not turn aside hither into the city of, of a stranger. So 
Jebus is, is, a, is a city of strangers, which we know is Jerusalem below, which is religion. That is not of the children of Israel. We will pass on to Gibeah. Jerusalem is called a city of strange, a city of a stranger while it is still Jebus. It is home of the stranger and the Jebusites. A stranger is equated to bondage, and we are in bondage to religion, trying to make ourselves right with God by the law that testifies against us. Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. Wherefore, remember that you being time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at first, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Hagar is the type and figure representing uh, Jebus before it is liberated and still in bondage to religion. Sarah represents Jerusalem from above after we have been liberated. Galatians 4, 21 and 22. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. There are two types of religion in this world. One is by works and is based on my actions, and the other is by faith in the promises of God, despite my actions. My actions in one religion can either make me a son of God or make me not a son of God can make me whole or make me broken. This is the description of Hagar and a citizen of Jebus, a Jebusite. The other is by the faith of Christ in the works of Jesus Christ. My works are a token of why I need the faith of Christ to hold on to the promises that salvation from death comes to those who hope is in Christ and not in themselves. Our hope is that before the world began, I was promised to Christ before I was seen. I was seen by God in the Son. Before Isaac was seen by Abram, he was seen by God in the loins of Abraham. But <clears throat> what do we do after we receive the promise? We did we do what Abraham did. We are enslaved to works that will show I have I have brought about the promises by my own work. Abraham said he believed God, and then he tried to make the promise come to fruition through Hagar, the law. It was a necessary step in shutting down his works. It was necessary for him to fail so that he could trust in his in so that he would not trust in his own works for the creation of the promise. Then and only then does the promise appear. Sarah conceives, who represents the new Jerusalem. Then the son of the flesh is sent away. Galatians four twenty three through twenty five. But he was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, that's Jebus, and he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are two covenants. The one is from the one is the one from Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage to her children. Again, it's all talking about Jebus. It's all talking about, I mean, type and figure. I'm relating it to Jebus because Jerusalem, is now, which now is literal Jerusalem, and all of religion is in bondage. Galatians 4.30. Nevertheless, what says the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman, all religion, and her son, 
for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. You can't, you can't be a, a son by the works of the law and a son by promise. Two don't go hand in hand. You have to get rid of the son of works so that the son of promise shall, shall grow. What we claim as a son is actually a slave of religion, of Babylon. He is the result of us not believing God and turning to the flesh to bring about the promise. Mount Sinai is where the law is given that shows us our sin and is where we begin creating a son by the flesh. It is here at Mount Sinai we receive the Ten Commandments that show us our sin, and we say we can keep them by the flesh. It is here we are told we are created corruptible, and it is here we begin to doubt the promise that was given before the law. The Jebusite spirit resists the promises of defeat by the law, like they did to King David, a typing figure of Christ. Galatians 3.17, And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Two covenants, one to life before the one to death. Uh, Romans 7.5, for, we for when we were in the flesh, the motions, motions of sins which were by the law did work in my members to bring forth fruit unto death. The law should confirm the promises. The law should confirm the promise by faith, not disannul it, because the law is going to tell me what I am, and that should make me hold on to the promise even more. That it is by promise and not by works. Works of the flesh, that is. Second Corinthians three seven and eight. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? When the law was written on stone, on the stones, it was a parable of each and every commandment we should break. Our stony hearts were engraven with the testimony against us to allow us to not trust in ourselves but in the promises of God. If we had not been engraven by each and every commandment, we would break in a thousand different ways. We would trust that the promise were made to us because we were better and more righteous than all the rest of humanity. We must see the engraven stones as our heart and mind, the witness that in both ways, in our heart and mind, do we exalt ourselves against the righteousness of God and against the promises. These laws are given to us to make us free in the knowledge that there is nothing I can do to make myself whole, that no matter how hard I try, I will fail in the flesh. They are not given to make me free by the knowledge of them, by merely pointing out my wrongs so that I can fix the problems. No, that's, that's not what they're for. They are given to free me from the bondage of religion and from the bondage of self-righteousness. One note that I didn't put in here is that you notice the law was only given to the Israelites at that time. Spiritually speaking, literally speaking, I mean, the law at that time was only given to the Israelites. And it was only given to them because the promise at that time was only given to the Israelites. Literally. And that's the type and figure of what's happening spiritually within our own line and within the world as a whole. And God's plan is in the totality of his plan. Galatians 4.26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free 
which is the mother of us all. Jerusalem above is the promise before the law ever came. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. The person that's not having uh, birth pains. Be happy about not having birth pain. Because you haven't brought forth a child by works of the flesh. For the desolate hath many more children than she which has a husband. The law makes me barren in and of myself. It is a constant witness against my heart and mind. The two stones that I cannot bear a child. I'm sorry. It is a constant witness against my heart and mind. The two stones <clears throat> that I cannot bear a child of the flesh to present to God. In this freedom, I am given the second promise. I am given the son of promise, Jesus Christ, who is the promised son of God. Not by works of the law, though. It was before the law came. In this son will all the nations of the world be re redeemed. I am barren in fruit by the law. I do not travail in birth pains to God because I have not received a man from the Lord by works of the law. And I should rejoice in this, that I see that I cannot bring forth what only God can, a righteous son. Genesis 4.25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said, has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Again, here's another parable of works of law and uh, a son by works and a son by promise. Uh, Genesis 4:26, and to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. The root of his name, the root of this name Enos, H605, means to be frail, feeble, figurative, figuratively melancholy, desperately wicked, incurable, sick, woeful. What we see, and this is what we see of ourselves. This is what. This is, this is what we see of ourselves when we see the law of the flesh that makes us barren and unprofitable, unable to produce anything to God. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. After we see ourselves as not being able to produce anything good, do we then call upon the name of the Lord? Reminds me of uh, Psalms 107, that when we're broken and down, you have nothing left to offer. It says, then we cry out to the Lord. And that's what's taking place in each and every one of the elect inwardly now in time. We are being broken by the law time and time again. We're being broken by trials, being chastened through trials, being shaped through these trials so that we are so that we can be taught not to trust in ourselves. It's the purpose of all of this. The name we begin to call upon after we become Enos is Christ Jesus who is the fulfiller of the promise and the keeper of the law that testifies against me and at the same time testifies for me that I need the son of promise or I'll never be free. Remember, a Jebusite is just the opposite. He comes from Jerusalem before it is called Jerusalem. He comes from, from Jebus, a polluted place. He comes from a place where we are entangled in bondage to all kinds of works of the flesh to obtain a promise given before we knew what we were. Galatians 4, 28 through 31. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. 
He's talking about the elect, those who believe in the truth. But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. Daily I go through things in my mind where my, where my flesh is telling me to do different things. Do A, B, C, or D, or it would be telling me not to do A, B, C, or D. And if I do this or I don't do that, then I'm not going to be right with God. It constantly happens on a daily basis for me. And this is that war. This is that persecution. This is that flesh, fleshly religion. This is Ishmael persecuting Isaac, mocking him. Uh, this is what happens inside of the God's elect. But it's a process that he puts us through again. Uh, it's a process he puts us through so that we do not trust in ourselves. Verse 30. Nevertheless, what says the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall, now be heir, shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We are set free from the bondage of trying to obtain a place in the heart and mind of God by my own fleshly works. We are free in the son who was promised before we got the law that told us what we were. We are given the law to keep us from thinking that we were made the elect of God because there was something in us separate and independent from the rest of humanity. There was something good that they didn't have. That's the purpose of the law is to keep us in check. This is a lie. And what all religions teach, all religions teach that we are Jebus and make ourselves Jerusalem, that we are bad. And then we make ourselves good by the law. It never can see itself as barren and unfruitful in bringing a son to God. It actually says the opposite, that it does bring something to God from its own good works. But what it does not understand is what it brings forth is an abomination, a man with man bringing forth works of mankind. The spiritual understanding we're to receive from these following verses. Leviticus 18.22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Deuteronomy 23, 17 and 18. There shall no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. For even both of these are abomination to the Lord. We cannot bring what man has created with man to God and present it as an offering. All things that man brings forth of man in thought is an abomination. The same thing can be said of a Jebusite being made into Jerusalem. It is an abomination. When David conquered Jebus, the castle area's name was changed to City of David and the city to Jerusalem, City of Peace, a type and figure of what we are, what we are living in when the Jebusites are destroyed out of our own land. First Chronicles 11, starting in verse 4. And David and all of Israel went to Jerusalem, which is, which is Jebus, where the Jebusites were, the inhabitants of the land. And the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, Thou shalt not come hither. Nevertheless, David took the castle of Zion, which is the city of David. And David said, Whosoever smites the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. So Joab, the son of Jeriah, First up, and was chief. And David dwelt in the castle. That's Jesus Christ dwelling in the head, in the top place. 
as the head. Therefore, they called it the city of David. And he built the city around about, even from Milo round about. And Joab repaired the rest of the city. So David waxed greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. David, who represents Christ, orders the conquering of, Je of Jebus and says, Whosoever destroys them first shall be chief and captain. Joab went first and was chief. David gave the orders because he is king, as Christ gives the orders, because he is king. But then he sends out his warriors, us, to defeat the city. And we are Joab, which means Jehovah's father. Jehovah fathered. And that's uh, H3097, Jehovah fathered. This name ties us back into what our study is all about. What Jehovah fathers. We are what God fathers through Christ. We are the sons of God because Christ was the first begotten of the Father. We are being sent out to destroy all that is in our land that brings forth an abomination. We are to destroy anything that thinks it brings forth children from man with man, doctrines of men thinking they can bring forth something to God. All things that come from Jebus is unclean and an abomination because it comes from man in the thoughts that he is not as bad as the law testifies he is. We must search our lands inwardly in our hearts and minds with the light of the truth and find the Jebusites, expose them, and then kill them. All doctrines that espouse man having a righteousness by the law that can make himself right before God, a doctrine teaching free will is an abomination and must be put to death within us. You cannot bring the price of a dog to the house of God which is man with man bringing forth a righteous son by the doctrines of man. No doctrine of man can make a son, nor can a man with man literally bring forth a man only. The son can make me a son by, by my mother, the church. When she is married to him, she conceives from him, and we are brought forth. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. We are conceived in the belly of our mother, the church, that is united as one to her husband, Christ. That church has the name of Jerusalem from above, not Babylon from beneath, the mother of all harlots. We cannot expect God to accept the price of a dog, something we make from our own flesh, man with man, bringing forth the abominable doctrines of devils, first the natural, then the spiritual. What has increased in this world today, the price of a dog, is a sign of God stoking the fire for the ushering in of the man-child who will rule all nations with a rod of iron for a thousand symbolic years. And unless we, <clears throat> unless he were to shorten those days, get this, unless he were to shorten those days of what's happening now within the world, the price of dogs, uh, man with man creating religion after religion, thoughts after thoughts, unless he were to shorten those days, none of us, would be saved from agreeing with those doctrines of dogs. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened so that we are not taken away in this doctrine. Luke 17, 26 through 30. And as it were in the days of Noah, my comments are just before the God destroyed the earth, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Again, my comments, just before Christ destroys the earth again, first inwardly, within his elect, and outwardly in the world. 
They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded the doctrines of dogs, because that was what Sodom was all about. That's what they were building. That's what they were planning. That's what they were drinking. That's what they were selling. That's all of that. That's all of that was doctrines of dogs. Likewise was it in the days of Lot. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, God brought us out. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the days of the son of when the son of man is revealed. Revelation 12, 15. And she brought forth a man child. She did, not he did, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne, taken from the doctrines of Babylon, the price of a whore or the price of a dog. Same thing as being taken out of Sodom, Lot being removed out of Sodom. We are the body that proceeds from the head of that man child, Jesus Christ. He will rule all this world for a thousand symbolic years by his hands and by his feet, which we represent. First Corinthians twelve thirteen, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, we'll be bond or free and have all been made to drink of one spirit. First Corinthians twelve eighteen through 20. But now has God set in, in the members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet one body. We are many different uh, body members, each and every one of us of the elect. But yet we're still in the body as a whole. We're united as one with the body. Ephesians 5, 30 through 32. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. When we leave the doctrines of Sodom, the fire of God's word burns all that we ever thought to be true, and we only leave Sodom because we are dragged from it. Genesis 19:16. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon him, talking about Lot, laid upon, upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. Genesis nineteen twenty-four through 25. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Next week, Lord willing, we'll put all seven nations together, cover them as we see them and then see them as seven heads that are upon the beast that rises out of the sea of men. Then we will see the seven heads as one, as the name, singular, as blasphemy, the name of mankind. Revelations 13.1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw the beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, upon his heads the name, singular, of blasphemy. Revelations 13.16-18. And it caused, and this is the CLV version, and it causing all, small and great, rich and poor, and the free and the slaves, that they may be giving them an emblem on their right hand or on their forehead, that no one, that no one may be able to buy or sell except the one having the emblem of the wild beast, 
or its its name, again, singular, or the number of its name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has mind calculate the number of the wild beasts, for it is the number of mankind. And, is an, and its number is 666. So Jebus is, is us when we are caught up in religions and um, it is us when we think that we are still trying to produce something to give to God. It's, it's us when we think that we are, uh, there's something in us or something better about us uh, that can make us right with God. Uh, the whole purpose of the law, the whole purpose of trials is to keep our minds humble, is to keep us humbled by God. If God did not chasten us through these different nations that are within sight of us, all different nations, all di- all seven of them, which are really one nation, if he didn't chasten us by this, then we would become high-minded. We would think, like I used to think uh, in the uh, doctrines of Calvinism, when God had me enslaved to a doctrine of man, uh, that I was elected before the world began, but everybody else was elected to go to hell. There must have been something different about me. I must have been special. And that was a lie. That's not true. Uh, those were all lies and they're all doctrines of, of, of devils. They're abominational doctrines, man with man, making a doctrine and trying to present it to God and God must receive it. It's not right. Uh, the truth is God gave us a promise before the world began. We were promised in Christ before the world began. I am what I am because Jesus Christ has made me what I am. And if at any time in... Uh, at any time when I trust to myself and he sends me uh, some sort of trial or some sort of uh, chastening to keep my mind back on where I, it belongs, on him and him only. He, he, he teaches me, he teaches us every day how to get past all of these different things. Because we're all high-minded, we all have pride, we all have, we're all in flesh. So this is going to be a daily battle, a weekly battle, a monthly battle, a yearly battle until the day we take our last breath. And thank God for it, because if he didn't, then we would not be one of the elect. He would not allow us to bring the price of a dog into his house. So I hope you all got something out of it. And that's all I had for you all. And 